In this second of a short series, we're speaking to two active partnership directors to see how active partnerships have reacted and supported the sector in their their addressing of this massive problem around activity and also keeping clubs going. Firstly, we speak to Brivio, who is director of Active Oxfordshire, and to look at how they're addressing inactivity and also supporting the sector. Paul, uh, thanks for coming on and having a chat. Uh, quickly, who are you? <laughs> Good question. Uh, Paul Brivio here, Chief Exec at Active Oxfordshire, one of the um, 43 um, ex-county sports partnerships, but now active partnerships. So uh, been in post for about 18 months now, or uh, thought I'd seen it all, and this thing happened. So uh, yeah, interesting yeah. times. So when it first happened, what was your first sort of thoughts and actions? Um, well, it was to get sanitizer in our toilets, actually, <laughs> um, which I was uh, told to do by our tenants. Yeah. So yeah. I, I guess like a lot of people, um, you know, took it took it a little bit casually I think at first mm. um, but we moved quite quickly when I think um, it, it dawned on us that this is going to have a big impact so one of the first actions was to start remote working get the team into safe places and um, then I think to look at where we had strong relationships which we needed to keep going so we work yeah. very much in the third sector charitable sector space so um, we were hearing from them about, you know, some distress calls quite quite early doors. So I think that was an, uh, an immediate response was how do we keep what we want to do going in terms of our agenda, but realising very quickly that a lot of the activities, the interventions, things like school games that we help make happen, we're going to stop and stop yeah. really quickly. So it was um, it was quite a, you know, sudden impact, really. And I guess like most people, we thought, well, this is here for four or six weeks then the mist will lift and then we're back on it so uh, I think the second shock to the system was um, this is going to last for a long time yeah. and um, it's going to really shape the way we work and think for uh, for, for the future yeah, and, what do you uh, think that impact is going to be the impact yeah um, well I think the impact will be on the most vulnerable and needy in our society which is mm. you know the issue in Oxfordshire is about inequalities you know we've got a incredibly creative active energetic county but we've got some major inequality issues so yeah. you know we've now realized who our real key workers are haven't we and uh, they're the people in Oxfordshire who often have two or three jobs they're mm. running around the kids can't swim they can't cycle mm. they're in employment but they're poor and they're frazzled mm. and of course the whole sector now is under you know a lot of distress so I think the impact's going to be huge I'm hoping that our active county will will pick itself up and be really pretty resilient but even there there's going to be long-term impact so you probably see that actually the inequalities that were there already are probably just going to be amplified in a way oh they'll be widened definitely um and it will bring some other groups into our vision we've been working with age uk for example for the last right. six months yeah but yeah. actually that whole area of um, people who quite like to be trapped at home. You know, I'm almost in that category myself. Not mm. not like you, young and uh, promising, <laughs> Simon. Um, you know, <laughs> coming out of our houses is going to be a real, real yeah. challenge. And yeah, um, it's going to be a fear there of just leaving yeah, the house. Totally. Places, yeah. um, 
we do a lot of work with uh, diabetic people. I'm a diabetic okay. as well. So again, you know, our whole thing there was to get people together in surgeries and promote physical activity. We won't be able to do that either. Yeah. So these are groups who are not always brilliant online or adept at social media. So some right. of it's going to go be going back to basics, getting on the phone and talking to yeah. people. Yeah. So I do think the inequalities will widen and um, you know, to be fair to local authorities, they're going to take a hell of a beating, you know, in terms yes. of their budgets, sure. their facilities, you know, in Oxfordshire, yeah. you know, most councils will be paid by contractors mm -hmm. to run facilities. So that's going to have a huge impact on budgets. So it's a real concern, I think. I think the leisure contract side of things is going to be, you know, if, if some of the, if a leisure operator goes bust, it refers back to the local authority and, and I think budgets are going to be a nightmare and how how we deal with social distancing and events and things like that so what what what's the what's the Paul Brivio future looking like then what's it what's the vision for sport and physical activity look like whether it's nationally or in Oxfordshire what's it look like in the autumn of of this year and maybe into next year well <clears throat> I should start by saying I'm a I'm still an optimist uh, they say a Pessimist is an, an optimist with experience, don't they? Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but no, I think there's a lot of good going to come out of this crisis. And, I, you know, I think we've all been through our own personal mm. disasters and, and experiences. You know, if we if we learn from this, there can be a lot of good come out of it. And particularly the way the social, uh, you know, the, the voluntary community, third sectors have come together. Yeah. An organisation called Oxfordshire All In with 500 organisations now who are mobilising people. So... Right. There's a huge amount of energy to be channeled, um, but I think the impact will be that we've got to provide more support to a sector we thought was strong and resilient, i.e. the sports sector. Yeah. But we now realise what they provide to our lives. We've got the Chief Medical Officer standing up and saying exercise is the most important thing you can do. Yeah, it's Incredible. an hour every day. It's brilliant, isn't it? Incredible. Yeah. So we've got to channel those energies and make sure that we change some of the systems and behaviours that, that that we know just lock us down and mm. make us work in the way we do. Mm. But to think it's going to be a flick of a switch, I think, is is not no. realistic. Um, yeah. uh, and, I, and I think there's a lot of damage being done. You know, there's loads of deaths which and tragedies going on around us, which make, mm -hmm. you know, putting sport and physical activity... You know, it puts it into perspective, really, but we know sport and physical activity can play such a big role in regenerating our society. You know, economic development will be key, I think, getting, you know, there'll be loads more people out of work, won't there? Loads more people on zero-based contracts. So yeah. we've got to find a way of helping people. And it's like the creative arts, sport, physical activity has got so much to offer, you know, so much to yeah, offer. I, I think the entrepreneurs will bubble to the top as well. I think yes. we've had that much of a workforce that's that's self-employed and um, has built their yeah. own businesses. I think that, I think, although they're suffering now when we're on lockdown, I think there will be, they'll be entrepreneurial enough to generate stuff, whether it's in the fitness uh, industry or in, in coaching or, or, or volunteering. I think, I think that will... I think the yeah, entrepreneurial spirit yeah. will come through. But I think there's it's, loads of innovation, isn't there? You know, everybody's yeah, seeing yeah. it's in action, but, you know, we're doing things differently already as an organisation, mm. which we can embed in the system. Mm. Um, so there's going to be things that we can really learn from. Now, our sector isn't very good at learning, is it? It's got no sense okay. of history or perspective. Yes. But there's some yeah. good leadership being provided by Sport England, I think. Um, yeah, I agree, absolutely. They've really good. stepped up, haven't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm really yeah. disappointed in... 
some of the governing bodies like cycling and swimming, I have to say, because just when we need their infrastructure most, they're being furloughed. Mm -hmm. And come on, these are big sports and uh, they're getting good money from from spoiling. And I'm not saying it's easy, but actually that's a big, big omission, I think. And we'll pay for that, that lack of infrastructure, knowledge, capacity when we really need it most. Because, you know, I think our challenge is to hold the space for the future, not to help put our shoulders to the wheel with our colleagues now. But we've got to hold the space so that we're ready to re-energise, reactivate. So you may be seeing that that voluntary sector in some cases is quite fragile, that might that might fall apart or, or, or not be as strong as it was before. Yeah, I, I think we we work closely with a number of youth, you know, charitable organisations and they are furloughing staff and they haven't got reserves beyond the three months mm. period, for example. Yeah, yeah. We're really lucky that Sporting have been so supportive. We're not furloughing yeah, any staff, yeah. we've got reserves. So it's really vital that, you know, it's not just the sporting sector we look at, but it is all this, you know, the charitable sector who provide a lot of mm. physical activity and sporting opportunities now. So yeah. it's a real mixed economy, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah absolutely. I'm worried that some of the key players won't survive this. Secondly, we talked to Sadie Mason, my old friend, who is director at Active Sussex and see how she's getting to the people that maybe or doesn't necessarily get through through its governing body structures. I'm, I'm chief executive of Active Sussex, which covers East Sussex, West Sussex and Brighton and Hove. So quite a large partnership. Real. Um, and we were closed down actually on the 17th of March because we're based at the University of Brighton. Um, so most of our staff from that date have been working from home. Um, Has that caused any problems with you or has it just been fairly natural? Um, only operationally in terms of making a few adjustments to our financial payments because our finance officer only works two days a week uh -huh. and uh, so our authorisations are desk based but we found a way around that. We had a contingency plan in place so all good. We pretty much had a business interruption plan, regardless of COVID-19, which meant that all staff would work remotely. So we pretty much had contingencies. Um, so it's like something like the, the, the offices have been burnt down or something like yes. that? Yes. Yeah. If the yeah. university had to close for any reason, then, you know, we pretty much had that sorted. The only things that we didn't sort straight away, of course, was um, because we weren't sure is what would happen with staff salaries. Right. Pretty much within a few weeks, the uh, government introduced a furlough scheme, a uh -huh. virus job retention scheme. But then, of course, Sport England subsequently said that um, active partnerships would remain funded. And in fact, they extended our funding for a further right. year. So that was pretty uh, good for us. It meant we could focus on things going forward. Um, mm. You know, just small tweaks, allowing people with um, kids to be working a little bit more flexibly. So yeah, yeah. It, it does cause a lot of stress for some of those, you know, 60% of our staff do have um, children, mm -hmm. uh, pretty much all of them under four. Yeah. Um, and, and of course myself, obviously with one of mine at college, but with special needs. So still caring responsibilities. And I think people in general are always conscientious about doing their hours. And what I've said to my staff is that, that you've already got a second job having to look after your child. We don't expect you to work a further eight hours on top of that. So basically, we've given them a bandwidth of working between 7.30 and 7.30. 
Right. Yeah. How they manage their time. Um, if they do four hours with the kids and four hours for us, it doesn't matter. Um, because it, we actually think it's their mental well-being that matters the most. Mm. Um, and of those, the 40% that don't have family, you know, they're working at home on their own. Some have partners, some don't. Mm. So we've got to be very careful that we're um, ensuring that they're balancing their time properly. And yeah, you, it's completely two ends of the spectrum. Is those that have got yeah. absolutely nothing around them and those have got potentially chaos around them as well. Correct. Correct. Somewhere so, in between that most people are, but I think yeah. that 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 health and well-being. I think people have looked at protecting the business, mm. but have also looked at the health and well-being of staff. Yeah, I would pretty much say that um, from our perspective, our trustees were more concerned about the staff. Okay. The business would operate regardless. Yeah. Um, because we have a lot of planning that we could do. We're coming up to audit time. We're coming up to mm. annual reporting time. So there's a lot of time that can be spent reflecting, reporting and planning forward, as well as finding out what the rest of the sector are doing. So one of the first things we did was email all our partners within our network to find out what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And we were pretty much getting lots of out of offices where people were furloughed. Mm -hmm. um, that was quite helpful because it means you're not sending out insensitive information to people or, you know, treading on toes or whatever. Um, so what about um, engaging, because obviously the emergency funds come out and all that mm. sort of thing, so there's engaging with the sort of governing body affiliated groups, which yeah. appear to be well sorted with the governing bodies mm. and, and, and the bigger governing bodies have really, really got to their clubs, I think, quite effectively. Yeah. But yeah. then there's the others that you might have funded, you know, that are maybe faith groups or just activity mm -hmm. groups or have, you know addressing um, inequality how have you have you have you got to those we continue with our newsletters we've got some tailored newsletters similar to what sports structures send out uh -huh. um, we've got one for a disability network and all the um organizations that support them so disability sports for mental health network we've got um our schools so primary and secondary schools network mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we've got um uh, active Sussex network which is quite wide so that covers our community voluntary sector partners mm. um, and we have a couple of forums that exist as well so strategic forums one for East Sussex one for Brighton and Hove and one for East Sussex and that spans sport and physical activity so mm. we have public health colleagues involved with that um, and we've literally just in response to the government call for evidence it's the dcms call for evidence i know yeah. it's early april but um you know it's taken a few weeks months really <laughs> i think for people to really see what the impact has been the short-term impact so sure. we're using things like teams and webex to get people together so we can actually mm -hmm. discuss and just get some feedback from them as to what the impact has been so we can then feed that back into the dcms call for evidence so have you had to develop new networks or have you got those informal networks in place already? We've got them in place. No, yeah. we've not had to develop any. Um, and where we haven't been able to reach any particular partners, we've gone through partners that we know that can reach them. Mm. Um, like, for example, we don't know all the people that are in the Active Hastings Partnership, but we do know Hastings Voluntary Action very well. Right. Uh, and the Active Hastings leads, we go to their meetings so they can get information out quite quickly to them and we can get information back so it works quite well um 
So in terms of the governing bodies and the governing body clubs appear to have closed down or dealt with stuff pretty well. Mm, mm. And I think perception of the community groups is that they've closed down because they haven't necessarily had to had a lot to close down. Is that and and has that happened, do you think, with those local community um, um, uh, non-affiliated groups? I can tell you what's happened with some that are offering or used to offer direct care and respite, for example, uh -huh. totally stopped because of social distancing. Mm. So that has moved to either, well, it's either stop full stop or there's a small amount of online support um, mm. networks and stuff. I can give an example with Brighton and Hove Table Tennis Club. Now, they operate not exclusively for refugees and underprivileged people, but the a vast majority of their club is mm. from that, um, what they're called LSEG. Yeah. Um, and they, they stopped operating, but they've totally moved to keep everybody connected to Zoom. So their club right. operates on Zoom, you know, mm. so they're doing virtual table tennis challenges on Zoom and they're making sure the kids with Down syndrome are well. You know, they've got two qualified coaches with Down syndrome and they're leading sessions. So they've just gone about it differently. Um, mm. Most of the premises that they're in, they don't have to pay rent on because they've managed right. to get them either for free. Right. So the costs are not, there's no so cost there. The impact hasn't been so bad. <clears throat> but I would say that other clubs where they have to rent facilities, you know, they've mm -hmm. got in quite quickly, I suppose, with the mm -hmm. emergency fund. But there are other smaller groups who either don't have the capacity to apply or actually by the time they've got around to applying, the fund will probably close. <laughs> so mm. they don't bother. Um, and, and they're probably going to, three or four hundred quid would make a big difference to them or would just cover off their costs or? Yeah, I think it probably would make a difference. Um, mm. But as I say, a lot, a lot of them are not coming forward. So we're hoping from the forum that we're going to have in just 10 days time that we'll find any issues that are there locally and see if we can help mm. address them, um, you know, as, as far as we can, to be, to be honest. In a few months or a year's time, what do you think sport and physical activity looks like? Is it going to be, you know, obviously, you know, as and when social distancing is dealt with in some way, shape or form? I missed the first bit of your question, but did you say... Sorry. What does it look like in, you know, a few months time or years time? Um, it's interesting because I was wondering about this join the movement where everybody's exercising indoors and mm -hmm. um, people seem to be out taking their one hour's walk. Well, I go out absolutely every morning religiously. I don't see mm. that many people. Now, that could be because it's too early um, or mm. they really are exercising indoors. So. In a year's time, I'm wondering if we will manage to capitalise on the fact that people see the value of being more active to their mental health and whether mm. or not actually we still encourage them to be active in their homes because that's where they're comfortable. Sure. Um, I actually feel that they're not automatically going to go out the house and go and do group activity. If they've been comfortable being active at mm. home and they've seen the benefits, then I actually feel some sort of online support or an app or whatever they've been comfortable using, if they've changed their behaviour and they can see it makes a difference, then I guess it's a matter of us understanding that and getting them to talk about it and ask them to be advocates on our behalf to speak mm -hmm. to that community that 
clearly wasn't active before. So in a year's time, it would be nice to see that figures for the inactive population have been maintained because over the last few weeks, activity has gone up. Mm. Um, and it would be nice to see that that was maintained. I don't feel that in a year's time, football stadiums will be half empty. I think we'll go exactly back to how we were um, because maybe in a year's time, an antidote or a vaccine will be available anyway. But I would like to think that people have changed their behaviour and attitudes towards physical activity and the value of it. So mm. that's what I'd like to see. Yeah, and it might be that, you know, they're talking about flexible working hours and things like that. It might be that people fit in their exercise before they go into work at 11 o'clock mm. or stuff like that. So I think there's there's some real opportunities there. Yeah. And and what yeah. about your network? And you, are you seeing any any things that will fall apart or are you seeing it just coming back again with maybe a little bit of change? I don't know. I'd be interested to see how the schools respond um, because we had to cancel both of our school games. We had four separate events and the major event. be interesting to see because we then went to the virtual school games. Again, it's behaviour change. 6,000 children signed up, right. um, which is more than what we would have had at the actual games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We have 1,000. So there is yeah. demand. Um, so again, it'll be interesting to see if we adopt some of that and do a virtual school mm. games as mm. well as a physical one that could be, you know, just a showcase event mm. and just show to young children, young people that you can be just as active and represent your school at home as you do on the pitch. Yeah, uh, that would yeah, be I think that could page. be quite exciting actually. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I definitely feel that the change in working hours and practices ought to be adopted. I've always been one for flexible working. And I think our industry has always been relatively flexible. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, but there are still some that are embedded within local government and they work to those rigid times and mm. it really isn't good. They need to be changing.